Are we recording? No, too much, too much, too much, too much. Hey, everybody, welcome to Ducks Watch Together. I'm Josh. Hello, hi. Hey, sorry, I'm so sorry. You want to take two on that? No. And on today's episode, we talk about School of Rock. It's hardcore. Listeners, okay. I'm going to take over for a hot Okay, second. great, perfect. Because I want you all to be, to know something. I've tried before to get this on the calendar. Okay. For some unknown reason. But here we are. I finally got it on. And Josh is going to say, why did we do this? The answer is going to be simple. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes when we have holes, I will look at his movie collection and I will say, oh, let's do blah, blah, blah. And Josh will ask, Why? And because I often don't have a reason, doesn't get put on the list. Sometimes I do have a reason. Gets put on. Sometimes I don't really fight. Because sometimes I'll be like, oh, Forrest Gump. And he'll be like, why? And I'll be like, hi, you're right. (laughs) Okay. uh Why would we? Yeah. But then something incredible happened, everyone. I said School of Rock for this hole. And Josh looked at me. He didn't ask the question why, and I said, no, put it put it down, and he wrote it down, and it got immortalized in this position. Yeah, here it is. Here it is forever. This film, I, I don't know if Josh will know how important this film was to who I am now. Oh. Not in an emotional sense. Almost not entirely. Okay. But there is something to be said, and we will get into that. But Josh... How are we going to start out any episode? Of course, we start out with the inquiry of the half-squared Fortnite, mm-hmm. my friend. What's your favorite film? Of, what's your... Okay, so this film is not a musical. No. There is music in it, however. Mm-hmm. So maybe, like, what's your favorite movie about music that's not a musical? Got it. Is that a good one? That's a great one. Look at you. Okay. Yeah. Um, I know my answer. Do you know yours? Give me a second. I'm going okay. to go on to... I'm going to get the music category. Get the music category. Well, you get the music category. I will talk about mine, which is uh, the Blues Brothers. Okay. Uh, I love the Blues Brothers. It is, I th- we've done an episode on the Blues Brothers, I'm pretty sure, mm-hmm. at least in memory serves. And so, yeah, you can actually take an idea, just go back and listen to that episode. It is a movie that is in my top 100 and a movie that I quite love for just sentimental reasons. It's fun. It's a good time. It's a chase sequence. The entire movie is a road trip chase sequence with lots of good music. I love, for me, it helped breed a respect and love for kind of like Motown and, and soul and stuff like that. And so, yeah, love the Blues Brothers quite a bit. We can thank Jason Blum for this one. And oh, it's okay. called <laughs> Whiplash. Oh, okay. Mm, okay. I was like, what are we talking about? <laughs> Cello. Uh, so, Whiplash. So Whiplash uh, is a film about a jazz musician by the name of Miles Teller. Miles Teller? <laughs> yep. <laughs> is that the actor? Yeah, that's the actor there, <laughs> okay, friend. Well, I don't care what his name is. <laughs> and he has to go against another musician who's a teacher who's the worst teacher of all time. <laughs> named J.K. Simmons. J.K. Simmons. Which we are going to... We're going to be talking about another teacher that also commits some who's also kind of a monster in different ways uh yes <laughs> but uh i think like what whiplash does is that it uses its music as a good crux 
about this uh, young drummer's dreams and like the torment he essentially has to go through for his art. Um, it's a very, it's a less terrifying and a less grotesque version, a more grounded version, that's what I should say, of Black Swan, where it's the two artists yeah. dying for their, or not dying, but the two artists suffering for their art. And so I, I just think that Whiplash is more palpable for people, and it has two great performances, I think, by Miles Teller and by J.K. Simmons. Agreed, 100%. Friends, if you want to answer the inquiry of the half fortnight, which is, what's your favorite movie that has music, but it's not a musical, or is about music, but it's not a musical, you can do so at friendofafriendpodcast.squarespace.com. Also find us on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. We can leave a five star review or any star review, as well as hit that subscribe button. That helps us get more listeners. You can also find us on Facebook at Friend of a Friend Podcast. And now on with the show. School of Rock. Mm-hmm. 2003 film. I feel like we don't get a lot of these 2003, 2004, 2005, just the 2000s films. Because it's, at some points, a wasteland of films. Interesting. (laughs) Sometimes there's great films. Sometimes there's not. Especially when it comes to comedies. Yeah. Like, I think about, like, the mid-2000s in terms of comedy and fun times. It's not... There's some fun. There's Interesting. Some, I think there's also some grudge. I agree that there's ups and downs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that at this time, we I feel like Hollywood made a lot more comedies at that time than they especially do now, but maybe in other points. Because when I think of this era, and maybe that's because you were I was in high school and early college, cognizant. and so like it was this comedy or this era of people that includes Jack Black but is kind of known as like they were called the frat pack and, and this like is Will, Will Ferrell, Ferrell, Jack Black, Ben Luke Stiller, Wilson. Luke and Owen Wilson, Vince Vaughn, kind of this whole group of people that kind of came together to do a bunch of movies together, some good, some bad, you know, um through that you get the Zoolanders of the world and you get Dodgeballs, but you also get like Starsky and Hutch, you also get like Wedding Crashers and you get, you know, a little bit off that tangent is the 40-year-old virgin, and we start to get into some of the Judd Apatow stuff that is a little bit later. Bad news bears. Um, are any of them in that? No. I just... Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm like, that is that is a Richard Linklater movie. It's Yep, there you go. 2005. Yeah. So, I think that you get a lot more comedy made. Um, I mean, even like uh, Tropic Thunder, which is after this period a little bit, but it's still that same group of actors working together in, in just different stuff. So that being said, Old School, I think, is another movie that is, is, is really high on the genre here as well, or this time period as well. So... I love you, man. A little bit later, <laughs> yeah, but... Yes, um, that's more the Apatow school of comedy for a little mm. bit later. But yes, because that next generation is the like Melissa McCarthy, uh, Paul Rudd's, and uh, Seth Rogen's, and James Franco. James Franco a little bit, and then the um, Danny McBride's, and just other people of that 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 genre and ilk I feel as well. Like you're forgetting a very important part of the mid two thousands, and yes. that's the Ashen Kutchers. Yeah, that's the rom com era. <laughs> yep, yeah, he was there making rom coms. Yeah, he was there dredging us down. Mm-hmm. 
destroying our lives. So, I well, I think that maybe there... I, for me, it seems to be an era that is full of a lot of the comedies that I genuinely really like, but also there there's a lot more, so there's a lot of ups and downs. Mm-hmm. Um, School of Rock, if I remember right, being was this ginormous hit. Um, and I don't, I don't know if box office trends will hold that out, but I remember this film just being everywhere when it came out. So 2003, depends on when it is in 2003, I'm either a senior in high school or have just graduated and then a freshman in college. So, it's October. So I'm a freshman in college. Um, and I just remember people quoting this movie. I remember people like just singing the songs of this movie. Jack Black seemed to really go from being like, oh yeah, people know who Jack Black is to like Jack Black like he's an actor he's a he's gonna be a star like this to me seems to solidify his caricature his character that he will play on screen as like man child baby and are we tired of it of his persona in 2019 now yes I think that he's done a good job over the last two or three years of really evolving it. I think that there ha- there was definitely, I'll call it the Gulliver's Travels period, where you were like, whew, I'm real tired of this guy. So like the year one, Gulliver's Travels. Yeah. I don't know what the big year is. Oh, I like the big year. He's doing something very different in that movie. Okay. Panda. Kung Fu Panda. Oh, Kung Fu Panda. Yes. Yeah. Um. Even before that, there's like his Nacho Libre. There's... Nacho Libre, which apparently a lot of there's a generation that loves Nacho Libre. They grew up watching on like the Comedy Central, and they saw it all the time. Kung Fu Panda, I think, is interesting because his persona gets distilled so much into you can figure out what the Jack Black character and type is. Mm-hmm. That then you can make an animated version of it as well, and it's not too far off. And I, I have seen Kung Fu Panda, and I like it. It's not my favorite cartoon in all the world, but like, if there was like a ten dollar Kung Fu Panda trio pack, I'd buy that. Go I don't... right next to your HT. Yeah, you know, there you go. <laughs> Combo pack. Which I want, like that one. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so, if they're they're not the worst things in the world. Oh, and I'm just looking through his like filmography according to box office mojo and some of his more bigger starring roles um things like high fidelity shallow house saving silverman it it kind of feels like that's an era where he's doing a thing then he has a school of rock era Mm -hmm. where he's like a child's like star and everyone's in love with him to maybe like we go from something like king kong to nacho libre to we have the holiday in there, we have Tenacious D, so it's almost like he's kind of like, I know guys, I know, I know, but I also I want to try something different. Yeah. And his newer era here, which you know, I can really for me, so I like Bernie, but Bernie is so very different. He's again working working with Richard Linklater. Mm-hmm. For me, his kind of like comeback era, I would maybe start pe- pegging at weirdly enough 2015's Goosebumps. Goosebumps. And then, I mean, you've got some ups and downs of things in there, but you've also got Jumanji, which I think he was really good in and kind of adjusted that character. The House with the Clock in Its Walls um, is fine. 
It was a huge hit. It made, it made almost the same amount of money as School of Rock. Good, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, number-wise, there's inflation difference. Yes, absolutely. 131 for um, His character is is this new kind of trope that he's playing, which is, like, quirky dad type. Mm-hmm. And so I like that he's taken some... some... Semi-responsible adult. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Uh, I like that he's taken on these roles that are like, okay, I'm not going to try to play the same man-child anymore. I'm going to try to, you know, as you said, he's evolved through his career, which I think is something, one of the reasons why Jack Black is an actor who I really like, I really respect. I think that he's a good, I think he's really good. He's, of his generation, one of the better comedic actors. And it, it when Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle became a huge hit, and I think a lot of that being on the back of Jack Black, I mean, yes, The Rock, Kevin Hart is what got people to that theater. But I think a lot of people... Nick Jonas. Nick Jonas. But I think a lot of people came out of that movie saying, you know what's actually pretty good in it? Jack Black. Mm -hmm. You know, so... And I do think that... um, Because one of the reasons why I was thinking about this is because before we were talking about, I don't know, one of Will Smith's... Or not Will Smith. Will Ferrell... Um, we were talking about a Will Ferrell movie, and we were like, yeah, we're kind of done with this whole, like, Will Ferrell persona. Yeah. But it's kind of interesting that Jack Black, it, he kind of does take a bit of a dip, where the only big things that he has out are the... He has a... It's not really actually a dip. Maybe between, like, 2012 and 2015. Yeah. But he, he comes back, and, like, we're like, oh, yeah, Jack Black. I think Jack Black, in a weird, a weird kind of comparison to him... Not in, like, talent level, but in, like, all right, is Adam Sandler. Because Adam Sandler didn't until he really left for Netflix. He kind of had a lot of movies. He had some failure, you know, like, but failure is is an abject, is, like, a subjective term considering who we're talking about there. Black, I think, even though his films might not have been critically that successful, they were still making a lot of money. And I think that it's that 2012-2015 period where he kind of takes some time to refocus a little bit on what he wants to do and maybe try to find a way to make his career last even longer. You know, because he was born in 1969, which means he's 50 this year? Yeah. Yeah, so he's he's not a spring chicken anymore. I'm not saying that fifty's old by any means, but for a physical comedian, your body's got to break down a little bit. Yeah, you know? we've made him run, and welcome to the jungle. I made him run a lot. Yeah, yeah. We also made Kevin Hart run. Yeah, well, that was just funny. He had a huge backpack on. <laughs> My weakness is cake. <laughs> I was cake weak a weakness. I was cake a weakness. Uh, but yeah, so. I'm interested to follow Jack Black as a career. Um, do we have time? Can we can can we unlock a list on Box Office Mojo? Yeah, what do you want? What list do you want? Sorry, can, I was looking at Adam Sandler, and it's just can, yeah. <laughs> can I can I maybe try to do the top ten grossing uh, Jack Black films? Yeah. Do you want them? Give me a sec. Do you want them adjusted for price inflation? Ooh. Sure, let's do it. Let's go crazy. Let's adjust for inflation. And you just want it local? Domestic? (laughs) Just Washington State, please. Okay. (laughs) Oh, man, for some reason it's goosebumps. Oh, weird. I think that was you. (laughs) Yeah, so sorry. (laughs) All right, Josh. Whenever you're ready. Um, This does, thankfully, 
blur out all the ones where he does not have a big role. So okay, good. I don't have to be like ah. Perfect. All right. Uh, so I'm gonna say even with inflation, Welcome to the Jungle is still in the top ten. Number one. Number one still. Great. Perfect. I knew it was number one unadjusted. So there. I'm gonna say School of Rock. Number eight. Eight. Okay. Who? Okay. Adjusted for inflation has made one hundred and twenty-one million. That's not bad. What did? Do you have the actual? What it made on there? The actual was one thirty-one. Nice. Okay. Um. Okay. What other big hits do we got? I'm gonna say what other. Sorry. School. Sorry. Nah. I had that wrong. The worldwide was one thirty-one for School of Rock. Okay. It's uh, domestic was eighty-one. So one twenty-one pushes it up. Okay. Okay, so, um, okay, so we've got School of Rock at number eight, um, and we've got Welcome to the Jungle at number one. I'm gonna say is Shallow Hal in there. Feel like that movie made a lot of money. Number nine. Number nine. There it is. All right. Um, that is a film. That is a film that, that exists. Sorry, no, that's yeah. a piece of art. I'm gonna say that Nacho Libre is on this list. Number ten. Number ten. Oh man, I'm getting the like. There's okay. Uh, okay. Sorry, Kung Fu Panda. Which one? One. Okay, number three. Kung Fu Panda two. Five. And Kung Fu Panda three. Six. Okay, great. So. So you need two, four. Four, I think, is the hardest on this list. Okay. And seven. Is he the lead of all of them? No, I, I'm gonna just go a straight no with all of them. So he's not the lead in any of them. No, I will say. I gotta check this one. Okay. Because didn't know he was in this. Um, I will say he is at least the top, within the top four for all the rest of these. Okay. Tropic Thunder. Tropic Thunder is number seven. Number seven. So now you just need two and four. Two and four. What was three? It was Kung Fu Panda? Yeah. Interesting. Because I thought Kung Fu Panda would... Okay, two there, and four. He, this is a big movie. Number two. It's a big movie. Big movie. It's a big movie. Is it... Is it... Gulliver's Travels? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. Not like, that are you, big. Are you, are you? <laughs> I was like, please don't let that be true. Number two is a big movie. And he's probably somewhere in the top four build, but not necessarily the star. I would say, I would say he's at, for number two, he would be the third. Okay. How, for actors. However, with characters, sorry, with actors, he's number three. With characters, I would put him in number Oh, he's four. King Kong. Yeah, he. Okay. He's not King Kong. <laughs> he's in King it, Kong. It's King Kong. King Kong made that much money? It made three hundred and four million. Whew, and that's four? Yeah, that's two. That's oh, two. that's two. Okay. Huh. What's four? I might need some hints on four. That's animated. Oh, that's why I'm not thinking of it. Okay. Do I do I own it? No. Oh, okay. I don't think this is a very good animated film. Okay. I, I saw it, and even when I saw it, I was like... And I was in fourth grade when this came out. Fourth or fifth. Maybe I haven't seen it. So I'm assuming it's not Disney. No. I might need some more hints. It's DW. <laughs> Darkwing Duck? Uh, no, that's D the DW. DreamWorks is DreamWorks. the uh, company. He's done more than Kung Fu Panda with them, apparently. Yeah. Um. Do you wanna? Do you wanna? Do you want the star or do you want like a location? The star. Will Smith. 
Shark Tale. He's in Shark Tale? (laughs) He's in Shark Tale. Oh, okay, great. He he may be the shark. No. That's Will Smith, right? No, Will Smith's a fish. He's the the fish that looks like Will Smith. Fair enough. Fair enough. (laughs) Do you know what Shark Tale's about? It's about a shark with a tail? Mm, It's about Will Smith, a fish. Okay. Who might work at a car wash. Yep, that's true. Okay, Mm -hmm. and there's a... There's a shark uh-huh. who doesn't want to eat fish. Okay. And so he's good. And Robert De Niro is the father shark. And you know who else is a voice in this? Renee Zellweger. Martin Scorsese. As a shark? I don't know who he plays, but he's definitely a voice in the film. <laughs> Are you sure he didn't make it? <laughs> Seems like <laughs> Marty was like, yeah, I'm just going to ghost make Shark Tale. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Angelina Jolie's also a voice. Mm, this character. This one is the one that's by Martin Scorsese. Oh, man. I've seen that. Sykes the fi- fish? No, so see, Will Smith plays the fish that looks like Will, Will Smith. Smith. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're not wrong. All right, let's talk about 2003's School of Rock. We've done some banter on Jack Black. Okay. Here's why, here's why School of Rock is so important. Yeah. Did we do an inquiry? We did. Music. Yeah. yeah. All right. Here is why School of Rock is one of the most important films to who I am today. Not because of like, man, I want to be a teacher, and man, I want to influence the lives of children, and man, I want to be not a drudge on society. You know what it was? I own the soundtrack to this. Ah. And you know what that taught me? Because up to 2003, so I am in third grade when this is occurring, right? And I am in love with this film. But in 2003, what am I listening to, do you think, Josh? That's right. I'm listening to Britney Spears. And I have an NSYNC CD that I've never opened. Uh-huh. But I own it. Aaron, Car- Aaron Carter. You're not. No, no Backstreet Boys. Just Aaron Carter. Just Aaron Carter. Great. Mm-hmm. See, like they are on one of the he the back one of the Backstreet Boys does appear on one of the songs because he's singing about his brother, Nick Carter. Oh, uh, okay. Who's in one of them, but Aaron Carter. He's in the Backstreet Boys. Yes. Okay, but Aaron Carter was my boy. Uh huh. That's how he beat Shaq. Oh, okay. Boom, boom. Great. <laughs> Just do you know any Aaron Carter music? Nope. Do not. Um, and so, <clears throat> I get the CD, right? Because my mom's like, oh, kid, will shut up for a moment. <laughs> so I have the CD, right? And what do I hear? I hear a bunch of rock and roll. <laughs> no. We're not. Not unless we analyze the music video for How I Beat Shaq by Aaron Carter. Done. Done. Done and done. Um, I won't write that on the calendar then. And no, no. <laughs> and that it's in pencil. I'll erase it. And then, here's where my love of rock and roll begins. Okay. Okay. The music of this film, great. Yeah. It's great. They use a lot of classic rock songs. Yeah. That's how you get in. Um. So Josh, why didn't you want to do this film for so long? I just don't. I didn't think I had all that interesting things to say about this movie. I have so much to say. I, apparently, I don't, still don't think I have that many interesting things to say about this movie. Uh, it's also, so School of Rock is a movie that I watched a lot as, as when I was growing up. And I really like this movie. It was probably definitely something that I put on often. I had grown up 
with a lot of this music. My dad was really into classic rock. So a lot of these bands and a lot of these songs were just stuff that I knew and that I could sing along with. And then in this time, maybe partially because of this film, maybe not, I really got into a lot more of it, especially like Led Zeppelin um, and The Doors and just kind of hold this era of rock and all of that stuff. And so I really went down that path and then I kind of veered into the White Stripes because they felt like they were the next generation. They were like my generation of, of the rock and here we come. I mean, I will say something. Yeah. Rock and roll is kind of dead. Yes, unfortunately true. Jack White is like the closest thing we have to like still a rock star today. I, I, what about that guy from Maroon 5? You get out of here with that Ted Levine talk. Ted Adam, Levine? Adam Ad Levine? Levine? Is Ted Levine the Buffalo, Buffalo Bill? Bill? Do you think Adam Levine is a, a is the a rock god of today? He might be. <laughs> My gosh, get out of here! I don't want to say these words, oh. but like rock is so dead that like mm -hmm. literally the leading rock bands are Maroon Five, Imagine Dragons, Twenty One Pilots, like. All of, Am I wrong? All of those are almost like pop rock. Right. Rock, rock uh, they're the closest semblance we do have to rock. So. In popular music, In popular at least. Music. It, so I still listen to, like, not to, like, be a hipster. No, you're cool. I don't cool. believe that. Um, I just, like, I, I listen still to some underground music. And good. so, like, that's still, that's, it's still thriving there. Okay, good. Because, um, like, the rock was my genre for a long time. And, like, I grew up listening to it. And I remember when Green Day's latest album came out and uh, in, like, 2016. And it was, like, a big news story of, like, they there's an alternative CD on the top 100, guys. Yeah. We finally did it. And I was, like... <sighs> It's Green Day's gonna bring it back, everyone. Come on, you did it once, guys. You can do it again. Um, but I, 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 I think that the rock, rock and roll as we knew it is turning closer to alternative. Is yes. now the fair well, because like alt was alt was my genre for mm -hmm. a long time. But yes, I agree with you that rock as we know it is kind of going there. So yeah, absolutely. Um, do you know who's a contemporary like rock band? Jackson Maine. <laughs> Dad Rock? Dad Rock. He's Dad Rock? No, I don't know a contemporary. Like, a good contemporary one. Like, I mean, to me, the sad part of this oh, is like... Boy. No, but it's like it's like the shinedowns. And they're not even contemporary of the world. But, like, yeah. that's where it seems like it's gone. Puddle of mud. Like... <sighs> Alright, internet. Let's see what you got. Contemporary rock bands. Lincoln Park, Papa Roach, Rush. <laughs> hard, hard stop. Yeah. Rush. Yeah. Apparently, uh, Stained, Simple Plan, Jet, Jet still around? What? Uh, Caspian, and Battles. I don't agree with any of these statements. Should we read uh, Spins' fifty best rock bands right now? All 50 of them. <laughs> Let's just avoid talking about this movie. Okay. Here we go. We, we, we are getting close to being able to tell you who, according to Spin, 
It is. Okay. Swans. Swans is number 10. Paramore. Really? All right. Paramore. Titus Andronicus. Okay. Death Haven. Proto Martyr. Mm, Against Me. Oh, I know that band. That's actually a decent band. I actually listen to Against Me a lot in kind of 2008 to 10-ish. It's a good band. Uh, Parquet Courts. Mm-hmm. Vampire Weekend. Great. Perfect. Slater Kenny. And Deer Hunter. Great. All right. Well, so rock and roll's dead. <laughs> <laughs> and <sighs> this is the film that let me know how dead it is. Yeah, because it was, you know, even in 2003, the kids were like, what's happening? <laughs> Can I... I've, I've asked a question for a long time. Sure, go for it. Why did Rock die? And I'm wondering if, in going back to rewatch School of Rock, if a little bit of why Rock died is because of the culture that surrounds rock and roll. And I'm not going to say that, like, this culture is specific to just rock and roll. Mm-hmm. But in a lot of the drug-using misogynistic very very aggressive culture I wonder if popular culture just as a society says if this is what you're gonna wanna be I'm gonna leave you over here until you can grow up a little bit I think that one of my arguments would be something like rap yeah because it's almost It's almost like, so rock and roll is like, really gets popular because it's like, the the younger audiences are like, we want to rebel. And this Mm -hmm. is something new. It's something our parents don't like. This is our generation. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's going on for a while. Yes. And especially through the 50s where you get the pioneers of rock and roll, Mm -hmm. and then you transform into the 60s and 70s where you get rock, like hardcore rock. Mm -hmm. Go on, Pam. Well, I think that as that continues, it becomes more of uh, rap and hip-hop are kind of more of that, like, oh, this is the new alternative to being a rebel. Like, mm-hmm. oh, this is the kind of stuff. And it's all, and a lot of those things that you were talking about with rock have have been pushed with, have gone with rap. Yeah. Drug use, yeah. misogyny, and just, like, violence. Like, yeah. that goes with that. And so I kind of just think that, that the the times are changing but we went from like oh this is the thing that like shows that we're rebelling against the norm but then as those young people grew up and they started having children like no this is the this is the good stuff that audience was like no we want something different we want the rap because yeah and i agree with that 100 percent. like i think that that's a really good solid counter to that because when i was growing up and listening to a lot of music like i found the Green Days, the Nirvanas, the Blink-182s. I went from grunge into pop punk and just some punk in general. Like That's where I hung out like a lot of the time in that alt space that it was like... Because growing up, there was this alt... There was rock, mm-hmm. and then there was like hair metal, and then you had alternative. And the alternative and grunge were where a lot of like... We found the rebellions against our rock parents, you mm-hmm. know? And now alt and grunge seem to be almost morphed into indie rock and then yeah and so i I, I, it's interesting to see is there a generation that once the parents of 
uh, that grew up on rap and hip hop, will they maybe go back towards? No, they're gonna go country. Oh gosh. You're, I mean, you may not be wrong, but like, is is there a chance for rock to rebound and and become popular in the mainstream again? I just don't know. I don't know if it's if it's something that we need or want as a culture anymore. Because I like the genre, and like, I would listen to more popular. But even like ninety seven one, which is our local rock radio station, like every time I listen to it, it kind of sounds like the same. Hunger dunger dang like dad rock bands mm-hmm. and so I'm like I just don't that's not interesting to me anymore mm-hmm. so I don't know yeah and I think that as I even explore rock itself more like you find even more of the subgenres within it which like right now I think I'm going through more of like I'm like really into like glam rock like I always loved Elton John but like when I was in high school and college, I was like, oh, David Bowie, maybe mm-hmm. this is the way. Yeah. And then, like, I fell into, like, things like Beck, which is, like, weird folk rock, folk, yeah. not folk, but rock, mm-hmm. weird stuff. Um, and so, like, you can still get, like, the, the influence of rock within different things and, yeah. like... I think that that's what makes rock and roll interesting still yeah. today of like there's still a varied history and i can still find that new stuff yeah i remember but even old. yes and i remember even in like dances like when we went there it was always it was so hard to like play something that's not hip-hop or pop you know like to get a rock song you get like i love rock and roll by Joan jet you know and like not that that's a bad song but like that was it that's what you got you know because it was also popular so anyway uh telling back to uh you had said that this kind of had keyed into you that rock was officially dead why um the way that he was talking and he's like so he's he's trying to get these kids to become in a, to get to join a rock band with dewey him. finn dewey finn yes uh, Mr. Schneebly is his, uh... Schneebly. Is... Ned Schneebly. <laughs> Ned Schneebly. Is this written by Mark White? Yes, Mike White. Mike White. <laughs> Not Mark. Yeah. Adam Pascal's in this. Yeah, from Rent. Yeah, it would have been more... It, it would have been more interesting if you just sang one song, Glory, during the... <laughs> one song, <laughs> Glory. Better than that song they sang it. Oh my gosh. Okay, so like... That is my biggest complaint about this movie, is I was like, the... Boring song that they sit no vacancy sings that battle of the bands mm-hmm. in no way should like beat the school of rock kids. Even if it was some random third band, I'd be like, well, their song was probably great, so sure. But like, ugh. We are here. Um, when he when he gets up when he's teaching these kids, like he's like history of rock, blah, 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 yeah. blah, and you're just watching it, and you're like, you're like, right, we don't have the modern day rock star we don't we don't glorify that persona anymore they're showing the performances at some point uh-huh. and you're like we don't have performances like this yeah. we don't have someone smashing a guitar on stage and then running out because a lot of artists nowadays a lot of the popular artists don't play an instrument as yeah. they perform we get our aria grandes we get our um lady gaga so right. if they do play it's a piano 
Mm-hmm. But otherwise, they're up, they're dancing, and that's what they're doing. Yeah, at least there. And I know Gaga can play the guitar, but mm-hmm. she doesn't do it on the regular basis, at least in her performances. Um, and I, to take into context of when this film comes out, because in 2003, they do reference Meg White in here. So Jack White is at least a contemporary. Meg and Jack White are, are contemporary references for this film. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that you are getting that generation of the White Stripes have been around for a little bit. I think you are getting the stuff like the stains and the um oh my gosh my brain just referenced them earlier and i can't remember who they are now anyway you get this kind of rock and roll that is kind of sad and really kind of plodding along but then you also get like trapped but you know like yeah (laughs) or like three days grace comes in and you're getting this kind of like that's where the anger and so like rock seems to just kind of be like hanging on by its like threads at this point and that seems to be because you know what's on the horizon emo emo (laughs) (laughs) and so you get kind of like three days grace is kind of the band that i was like i think that's what no vacancy like really wants to be (laughs) like they're striving for that level um so yeah it my whole question about this is like what is the value of teaching this rock and roll like that was my question this time through is i was like i wonder if like i just keep trying to wrestle with the question of like why did rock die because like i wonder if like even when he's teaching the value to these kids i was like what's the performative value of this even like you're teaching them about like power stance and destroying the guitar and like the, like all of the other like rock elements and i was like it's just a performance skill that has passed us by and you're living in it you know yeah um, well i think that i think that it does a good job what they do here is they don't they don't show that these kids are originally playing more pop they're yes not. they're playing classical classical yeah and so rock almost like not an antithesis, but like very far on the spectrum. If yes. you don't know music yes. study, that they're looking into it and they're like, okay, so one of them is very like prestigious and nah, but this one is like very much like you need confidence and raw, like a raw emotion, emotion to yeah. it. And I think that maybe that's the value that he sees in rock is yeah. like, oh, I can instill a sense of raw passion into kids. Well, and to bring in Linklater a little bit here. So this is a Richard Linklater film, and it's probably a lot of people's gateway Linklater in terms of... It's the trilogy of his, I like music and the 80s and 90s. <laughs> With Dazed and Confused, Everybody Wants Some, and School of Rock. <laughs> Well, I'm just going to skip past that. You're living in the past, man. Um, Fair. You do see his love for rock here. And I think in a lot of ways, what you are seeing is that generational gap that you talked about earlier and in what he grows up in, which is rock is not seen as a respected genre. And you see that represented in the Zach character, this boy who's playing guitar and then ends up having to like, ends up loving playing rock. And his dad's like, no, only classical music from you studies. Um, And so the Linklater in this film, I think is really clear in terms of he wants to study men in particular who are struggling with their past and how to bring it forward into the future and this goes along with that very much so and how to become who you are in a world that doesn't want you to be what you want to be and I think that's a really interesting theme 
I think the link later of this all, considering that with the script and the pacing and the cinematography and just his directing style and his performances, if it's not Richard Linklater on this film, who has always been interested in human interaction, I don't think this film works as well. I, I genuinely think the script is great and the directing is great and the performances are great and that's what makes this thing work really well. This is the type of studio movie that I wish would still exist where you let an artist... This is not his art house stuff. He's made more art house stuff before and after this. He's in the middle of making art house while this is going yeah, on. Yeah, you know. <laughs> he spent two weeks doing <laughs> Boyhood and he's like... Uh, I gotta come back to this. I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and so I love the idea that you put a, an art house creative in the studio system with a star and say, make me something interesting. And I get that we do that to some extent now, but we don't do it because we only do it with superhero film. And we don't do it with comedy. We don't do it with drama. We don't like it's that this is the middle class of film that's that's also dying. And so. I, I like going back to revisit this because it feels like there's more weight and heft to this fairly light family film. Mm -hmm. Like, because I think I keep this... I think this is a PG-13 film, but I still think I keep it in the family section because, like, I don't really know why this is a PG-13 film. Uh, some material may be appropriate for a children of 13. Rude humor and drug references. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Um, I also think that, I know that this has a stage musical. Yes. And here's why I don't ever want to see it. No Jack Black? No Jack Black. And no Joan Cusack. No Joan Cusack. Uh, Joan Cusack, forgot was in this film. You did? Yeah. And when she showed up, I went, oh my gosh, we are in, I haven't seen this film in years, Josh. I also need you to, I also need you to just read this out loud. Just read right here, right here. School of Rock musical composer, Andrew Lloyd Webber. Josh, we were all there. <gasps> no, shh, we were all there when the iconic guitar rift in Phantom of the Opera just starts playing. I mean, I guess, like, everybody needs work, and they're only doing movie adaptations, so... Who was like, I know who I'm gonna adapt this rock musical to stage? Andrew Lloyd Webber. He does a lot of rock musicals. Like, it's not out of his realm of possibility. It makes sense. Yeah, anyway. It's not good. I've listened to it. The performances on the album are fine, but, like, they really musical theater it up. And, like, it's very contemporary. And I was like, this is, you're not even taking, this is kind of the same issue that I have with the Wedding Singer musical, is you're not taking the soul of the movie and putting it on stage. Mm -hmm. You're taking whatever contemporary musical theater nonsense you want to do and put it onto this movie. And that's why I think it fails. Anyway, Joan Cusack. Uh, so I went through a journey of who am I? Who was I? Uh -huh. And I think one of the first time I watched this, I was like, you know, I am Summer. Summer, Miranda Cosgrove, iCarly herself. iCarly herself. Uh, Megan from Drake and Josh herself. Great. Yep, <laughs> totally. Her most iconic role. iCarly? Yes. No, no. Megan. Uh-huh. Megan. Um... And I was just like, yeah, I want to be like that pristine, 
professional who's great at everything. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, am I Jack Black? And I said, <laughs> as long as you're not Freddy, you're fine. <laughs> what is wrong with Freddy? I don't know, he just seems like... Just in terms, like, if an adult was Freddy, there'd be some issues. Yes. Like, he's a child. He's just a kid. See, he's pretty okay as a kid. Uh, he's a bully type. He's, yeah. No, I'm not saying he's a bully. I'm saying he's a bully type. If if Ned Schneebly doesn't come in here and set this kid straight... You mean Dewey Finn. Uh, he goes by Ned Schneebly. That's fair, but that's not who he is. I like that he doesn't know how to spell Schneebly. <laughs> I am Mr. Schnee... S. <laughs> Mr. S. No one's gonna correct how you spell it. Schneebly. Also, dude's like your best friend. You've been in a band with him forever. You live with him. Like, you can at least spell Schneebly. No, apparently not. That's how, that's how crappy of a person Dewey is. I mean, to be fair, if I have to ever impersonate you, I might be like, I'm Mrs. Mr. G. It's fine. <laughs> that's what I usually go by. Yeah. Um... So Jack Black's a monster in this film, but not like a terrible monster. <laughs> so there aren't severe consequences to what he has done. Nope. All is forgiven. Kind How of. Somehow. However. Yeah. No jail time. No jail time. Um. These kids don't, we don't see them behind half a grade. Nope, it's fine. It's fine. Well, okay, so this movie takes place over, like, a three-week period, I'm pretty sure. Okay. It's not very long. I We kind of basically, if you were looking at it, I think we would, if you could pace out the scenes to be like, we see a small clip from every single day that he's there, and that makes it seem like it's a lot longer. Also, they just kind of make a leap in assumption that they're like, hey, these kids are good at music. Oh, they're great at rock music, too. <laughs> like yeah, like they're like cello girl. Here you take this. this is... You're gonna play one note. <laughs> and I was like, I love that after he gets all of the kids set up, he's like, and now I will perform. <laughs> like and he just goes to town. Yeah. It is the Jack Black character. It is the like big silly guy. The like singing the guitar riffs. And all that stuff. But it works because this film has a heart. And this film allows its heart to be on its sleeve. And that it, what it does is it shows that Jack Black cares for these kids. And that even though he's not a good teacher, he's a monster in terms of that. <laughs> he's actually a fine teacher. Like the art of teaching he's not terrible at. He's not. It's he is just, a good music teacher. Yes. He is not a good uh, elementary school <laughs> let's hit all of the subjects teacher. I like the, uh, one of my favorite scenes is where Joan Cusack is in the room and he's gonna like try to teach math. <laughs> and so he's like just saying numbers. What's, six mi what's one million times six? <laughs> six million? And like, okay, I guess these kids are young enough that like I guess that's a math lesson. <laughs> but then the one that it gets really complicated with and then he's even he's wrong and he's like, no, it's not. Nice. And she's like, no, dude, it's eight. Like, <laughs> I love that. She's one of my favorite kids. That girl who can just like sing and I don't Blondie. Blondie, yeah, Blondie absolutely. From Blondie. There you go. I'll never forget that word. Uh, the kid performances are really good. I think um, Linklater proves that he can really understand. He understands how to get a kid to do a performance, and because. 
there are a lot of them that just seem like they're kind of just being like cutesy kids. But here, I think that these ones are, these kids are particularly showing character and growth and stuff like that. And even the ones that don't have a lot of screen time, you get to know all the kids of the classroom. Mm-hmm. The um, kids all get their moment to shine. Even yes. like, even the kids who aren't in the band. Yeah. Like, he gives them their moments uh, in mm-hmm. the spotlight. Like, you're at the performance and the kid's like, dude, it can't change the song. I literally, literally did the lighting design to that song. And he's like, you'll figure it out. Oh, and then I monster see, Jack Black. And then I see Anne slowly weeping up in the lighting booth. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I also love, okay. So this I really struggled with because he's legit one of my favorite characters, but he's also a stereotype. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know the kid's name, um, but the fashion kid. I think he calls him Fancy Pants. Fancy Pants. Um, yep, that might be his name in the film. I don't think I know most of these kids' names. I know their nicknames. <laughs> Turkey Sub. He calls that one girl Turkey Sub, and I was uh, like, oh my god. And she has weight issues. Don't call her Turkey Sub, man. No, but then she gets to shine. She does, and I like that... I also like that Jack Black's like, hey dude, it's okay, I also have weight issues. And then we, we bring it up even slightly. Like, the film has an extra layer to it. But like, Fancy Pants, legit, like, one of my favorite characters of this movie. I love in that moment where also he's like... You said we're going to wear uniforms. And he's like, well, I'm not. I'm going to wear this. He's like, no, you're wearing uniforms. Put it on. (laughs) Or the other moment that always gets me is... Where they're like David Bowie looking. (laughs) That's a good one. No, the other one is where um, they are going through and he's like, rocks about anger. And they're like, like, what makes you mad about me? And he's like, your wardrobe's terrible. We've already moved on from me. (laughs) See me after class. Their relationship is solid. Like, I love it. And that's the level of interaction that I really adore about this movie is, like, you know that he's got a personal relationship with each of his students. And I don't know if Mike White was ever a teacher, but, like, he seems to understand that teacher-student. is a substitute teacher. Another point. I think I sent you a text like, nope, they nail it. They'll put anyone in as a substitute teacher. You did. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. No qualifications needed when you're that short. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Okay, I'm gonna say something. Yeah. Substitute teaching was one of the hardest jobs I ever had. Yeah. Um, you have to go in there and follow the lesson plan. You have to go in there, not know these kids, and have them not destroy you. Yeah, it's hard. Especially because, like, kids aren't trained to respect people when they first meet them. They're trained to, like, you have to earn my respect. I was like, no, respect a human. And then, like, it's it's a weird society we live in. It's fine. Um, yeah, this is just a fun time. It's a fun movie. There's nothing... I don't think it's Linklater's best by any means. But, like, if you ask me to maybe create a top ten, it... it it's sneaking into that higher section. It might even break a top five, depending. But, like, this is a For good... For Linklater films? Maybe. I let's, doubt it. Let's but look, Josh. It's not going to. All right. I no. was trying to be nice. You might... Okay, yeah. Do you have all three of the befores? Um, I would probably, like, if we were making a Linklater list, I would probably pick one of the befores, just to not put the whole trilogy on there. But, yeah. Actually, I'd cheat, and I would put the before trilogy as number one. Okay, That's what the I trilogy? Do. Okay. Yeah. Boyhood, is it on the five? Probably. All right. 
Uh, uh, Dazed and Confused. Yes. Everybody wants some. Uh, it's in contention. Bernie. Yes. Uh, you don't like this film. <laughs> um, Waking Life. No. Slacker. Yeah, it's in contention. Last Flag Flying. No, I haven't seen it. Tape. Nope. Fast Food Nation. Uh, no. You don't like this movie either. Me and Orson Welles. Uh, no. I haven't heard of any of these other films, so we're not going to talk about them. And then School of Rock in contention. You have one spot. Yeah, so like maybe. Yeah, like it's that like six to seven range, six to five range. Who knows? It's good. It's a fun movie. The performances are great. I like Sarah Silverman. I like Mike White. I like Joe. Yeah, like (laughs) Sarah Silverman's character is probably one of, I do think, okay, to not just like love this movie because I do love this movie. I think that the talent makes it well. I also think this movie is problematic and we can't ignore those things watching it now. It's a very 2003 time. It is. There are some mass. Sarah Silverman sucks. As character. character, yeah, yeah, Which then, like, sometimes when she's, like, acting, I'm like, oh my gosh, get off the screen. And I think it's just her character. I don't yeah. think it's her, but I'm just like... You're supposed to hate that character. Yeah. yeah. Um, her character, there's nothing to it other there's than There's nothing redeeming about it. She's just a nag. Like, she's a she's a pretty girl nag. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You've already brought up Fancy Pants. Fancy Pants is just a stereotype. Mm-hmm. But I think that... So Fancy Pants is a stereotype but i don't it's this really tricky time Mm -hmm. because and if i jump on your toes let me know but like it's this really tricky time where i don't think the film has disrespect or malice or any ill will towards fancy pants it actually likes that character and actually lets that character win a lot of the time it's still a stereotype and it's not an actual character it's a caricature mm-hmm. and that is the problem yeah yeah so it's a step but it's a small one Joan Cusack has a beautiful explosion in the uh in his jeep or in his van and I'm like yeah I understand fair <laughs> uh there is also a lot of very masculine, toxic, some some of it, uh, ways of looking at life mm-hmm. in terms of just the way that women are treated or, like, he at first, like, you can be groupies and then only because Summer figures out, you know, what that means, is there anything else? And so... But even then, the groupies do get, a ch- do get like, responsibility yes. and have an importance Yes, to agreed. It. Um, I don't know. I just think that, like, there, it's... It is a product of its time, and I. it's not a terrible product of its time. I just think that they're, like, as you said, it is what it is. Yeah. You know, and we can't not acknowledge it, but I also wouldn't want to say that, like, it holds this film back. Because at the end of the day, the film's actually trying to tell a story about a guy learning to grow up and move on from a lot of these negative stereotypes and negative tropes that are involved with rock and roll music. Another thing that I don't necessarily appreciate that this film does is that it only holds rock and roll as, like, this is the truth. Yeah. And that, like, no other type of music he gives, like, any real relevance to. Yeah. There is this, the the scene where he's talking to the newest um, backup singer, and he's like, I think he gives her Aretha Franklin. Yes. And that's like, oh, okay, we're kind of playing in soul. Yeah. But, like, that's the only time where he's like, Anything but rock is wrong. Yeah. He doesn't sound like that. That's just my voice. I right. think it's spot on. Yep. <laughs> also, Schneebly is just a good name. <laughs> like, it's just solid. 
I, I do think Mike White wrote a great script. It's it's really... Yeah, I like this movie. It's fun. We've talked about it a lot longer than I thought we would. <laughs> Josh, I'm here. You are. Josh, do you see yourself as Jack Black when you're teaching sometimes? Sometimes. Sometimes? Yeah. I, I Jack Black is an influence on my life in a lot of ways. I think so. Yeah, absolutely. Just so he's at the same level as Mr. Rogers. No, but I would... <laughs> you're right, he's above Mr. Rogers. All right, Roger. listen, if I make a top ten list of influences on my life, he's probably in the like, same range as School of Rockies and Linklater films. He's like six to seven. <laughs> what? Wow! Wow! No, this was when I wanted to grow up and be an actor. Like, this actor, Jack Black, particularly probably in this performance, was somebody who I was like, I could be a Jack Black type. Like, and then you get the Zach Galifianakis type, because the hangover's sitting right here. But, like, that's who, in a role of, like, when I was going to be an actor, that's who I thought I could be. And so he was giving me hope that, like, no, you can lead films, too. You'll get, you'll get to have scenes with... Joan Cusack as your love interest. Like, look at you. So, uh... I've only gotten you since our, like, Tom Hanks time. Uh Our Keanu time. Okay. I've only gotten you to be like, yeah, we're gonna do the roles of one other actor, and that's Danny DeVito. Uh So, I'm wondering if I go weird, if you'll be more (laughs) willing to talk about things. So, like, Joan can we rank Joe Cusack? Yeah, we are. <laughs> yeah, we are. <laughs> uh, my love for Joan Cusack just sprouted very, like recently. It's not like it's not. It's within the past two to three years because no. she's just started being weird, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's like, I have the money. Let's just work. Yeah. I mean, she was always Jesse, but like. Was she anything more than Jesse? But okay, listen. Jesse is a weirdo. <laughs> like, you gotta, like, she's kind of a little whack job cowboy. Like, cowgirl. Cowgirl, sorry, cowgirl. You have to admit that. She is. Like, Joan Cusack. Is this what we're pairing with Toy Story 4? <laughs> Joan Cusack's four mo- ten most popular films. Uh, film popularity on Letterboxd. Okay. Here we go. Toy Story 3. The Perks of Being a Wallflower. She's in Wallflower? Uh, yeah. I'm, okay, like, great. literally trying to, like, flip through my memory of it, and I can't find it. She might... I don't know. There she is. Oh, is she a doctor? She looks like she's a doctor. Okay. Yeah. She's okay. in the back of this shot here. She's blurry, but she's here. Okay. Toy Story 2. Okay. School of Rock. Oh, yep, there it is. Pop Star. Never Stop, Never Stopping. (laughs) High Fidelity. Is Pop Star out of the penalty box? Can we do Pop Star yet? (laughs) High Fidelity. Uh huh. She's with her brother. Yep. 16 Candles and End of Tour. What the heck? She got other things. (laughs) Let's. Let's, uh, let's see if I just type in Joan Cusack movies into the good old Google machine. See what we get. 16 Candles, School of Rock, of course, Adam's Family family Values. values. Uh, Instant Family, Toy Story 4, Working Girl, Toy Story 2 and 3, Ice Princess, Runaway Bride, Chicken Little, Gross Point Blank. She had a run where she just did John Cusack films also. Yeah. Raising Helen, Friends with Money, Toys, In and Out. She's great in In and Out. She was nominated for In and Out. Uh, she was also nominated for a Working Girl. Yes. Confessions of a Shopaholic, Snatched, 
high fidelity, my sister's well, keeper. You just you steamrolled, snatched. Yep. Uh, broadcast she news. Is the... Perks of being a wallflower, <laughs> Arlington Road. Oh, where the heart is. She is in that. Sorry, you want to keep talking about snatched? Great time. Yeah, great. She, she's a great time. Mars needs moms. Nine months. Martian child. This um, would be a very interesting list. Yeah, let's do it. Here we go. <laughs> Toy Story 4 and Joan Cusack movies. It might be a thing. <laughs> There's just a video of Joan Cusack saying nuclear bomb for one minute straight. <laughs> the internet is a special place. They'll come down on me like a nuclear bomb. Alright, friends, let's play a Planet Hollywood game. Oh my gosh, we have not done this in a while. Well, listen, I decided to not do it during the uh, duckies because we'd already gone long on those. Because they're six and a half hours. And uh, the emergency other app was on a short one, so. Are you ready? Yeah, I don't think I'll be very good at okay, this. Okay, what is it? Name different movies that have. The name of a city in their title. Chicago. Midnight in Paris. Detroit. <laughs> I like your strategy. Escape from Los Angeles. New York, I love you. Uh, Sleepless in Seattle. I was trying to think of London has fallen. Uh-huh. That did not come to mind. I would have had Tokyo Story next. Oh, Tokyo Drift! <laughs> Full titles, please. Fast and Furious 3 Tokyo Drift. Yeah. Great. Fantastic. That was a good one. I like that one a lot. Yeah. <laughs> My strategy of picking small titles? <laughs> Leaving Las Vegas. Shoot. I have so many yeah. options. That's what I like about this game. Like, after it's done, you're like, oh, all of these ones. Don't Cusack the movie. <laughs> I don't think there's a city called Joan Cusack. Well, no, there is. Josh, okay, take us out. All right, friends, if you want to join this conversation, and why wouldn't you, you can do so at friendofafriendpodcasts.squarespace.com. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. Leave us a five-star review or any star review. We will get back to you. You can also hit that subscribe button. And that- And that helps us get more listeners. <laughs> you can also find us on Facebook at Friend of a Friend Podcasts. You can also find us on Twitter at DWT underscore podcast. YouTube. Sucks all together. Tumblers. Sucks all together. Letterboxd. Thermogay ACT and Kylie Gallisher. Thank you so much for listening. I've been Josh. Kylie. Quack, 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 quack.